And then a weasel attacked. This week on Dueling Review, we review Musketeers, number four. Now that Merlin and Morgan's true colors have been revealed, they won't let the Musketeers stand in the way of their plans. Musketeers are in for the fight of their lives and their souls. Can they finally learn to work together as a team in time to save themselves and the city of Philadelphia? So, we're reviewing the Musketeers number four this week. We are. And some of our patrons may be going, but Stephen, uh, Exo Man of War had more votes than Musketeers number four, and uh, uh, Skybound... Mm-hmm. more votes than Musketeers number four. <laughs> what gives? Uh, well, you know, we're always growing here at Major Spoilers, and we're happy to welcome back uh, Stacy, who's a longtime uh, collaborator on the Major Spoilers website. He's back to write some reviews. He's been knocking it out of the park. And this week, he decided to take on those two books uh, before the voting was, were, were, was closed. And yep. so the only thing we were left with was Musketeers number four. And I'm not one... This has kind of been a policy of major spoilers for a long time. Is I don't like, I hate double reviews. Right. Uh, for the main reason that there are so many comic books out there to review, it makes little to no sense to have yeah. like five reviews of the same comic. And that means that five other comics can't get any coverage. That's one of the reasons why Dueling Review was created, because Matthew kept trying to steal books that I was writing. Uh, <laughs> and reviewing and, um, you know, some other true. reasons too, but. Then that is not true. No, that's you totally stole books true. from me equally. No, never. Um, and I can never steal books from anyone else because I run the site, so I always uh-huh. get first choice. You have the keys to the kingdom. I have the keys to the kingdom. Speaking keys yeah. to the kingdom, Merlin and Morgan Le Fay mm-hmm. are messing with the musketeers in modern day Philadelphia. Right. There's a giant dragon yes. crashing the party. Yes, and the Musketeers are three superhero guy people, sort of. And they they call themselves the Athos and the Porthos and the D'Artagnan, which is weird because I thought that the third one was named like Aramis. I don't remember. I don't either. But nonetheless, the we, well, I mean, this book opens with a literal bang, a lot of bangs and kabooms and kabloops. Because one of the musketeers, Athos, is in action. He's being shot at by evil, evil dudes. And it's all part of a plan. And apparently there's a crossover with the greater Grim Fairy Tales universe. Yeah. And that's one of the things that is uh, that I have to give Zenoscope a lot of, of credit for is that they go into their world building like really, really hard. I mean, oh yeah, um, it used to be when Grim Fairy Tales first started is like you could pick it up and you would have uh, Sela, the main character. Uh, right. Going in and telling somebody a, a fairy tale and horrible things would happen. And somehow it was related <laughs> to, it was very Twilight Zone-ish, right? Or right. Uh, it was, Outer it Limits was like a kind horror of thing. Kind of, yeah. 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 And so it, it went like that for a long time. And then finally they just clicked and said, what if all this was going on in a greater universe of these characters and situations? And they right. just ran with it to the point where one of the characters in this book, Sky, she's actually Sela's daughter. From yes. like the first volume of this run from a long time ago. And, years ago. and then uh, you're right. Um, Merlin had stolen her book way back in Grim Fairy Tales, volume two, number 14, that came out in <laughs> April of <laughs> this year, I want to say. Yeah. Um, and so that was, no, it couldn't have come out in April. That'd be really weird because that would mean Grim Fairy Tales, volume two, number 14, came out after the Musketeers, number one. 
And the Grim Fairy Tales is the one that is supposed to have spun out into this this miniseries. Well, I mean, they they do relaunches and crossovers yeah. and such. So, so this is a five issue miniseries from Cinescope Entertainment, and mm-hmm. it has you know uh, these characters from fictional lore doing different things in a modern day setting. Setting in here, they're battling a giant dragon and trying to work together and come uh, uh, figure out their differences mm-hmm. so that they can win the day. <laughs> And they almost do. Almost. They they kill the dragon, but then they, I guess, have to go back in time, which is what's going to happen in issue number five. Right. It, yeah, I got it. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot going on here that reading the first three issues, my brain wants to say that reading the first three issues would help a lot. Because we do literally walk into the middle of a firefight. Yeah, I mean, it's a five issue miniseries. I, I really seriously doubt that anyone can just walk into the penultimate issue of a series, right? As soon as you're getting into the, you know, the right before the, the final turn and expect to understand everything that's going on. They do. The writer does a really good job of trying to explain things that are going on mm-hmm. um, and saying, here are some things that have happened through the, one of the characters inner monologue. And right. I think that's good. I mean, it doesn't clear up everything, but I think it gives you a fairly solid foundation of, of what's going on. Yeah, and the writer is Terry Cavanaugh. Terry Cavanaugh has been around for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, Cavanaugh used to work for Marvel back in the 80s and the 90s. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, definitely you do probably need to read the previous uh, four (laughs) uh, issues that came before this one to really understand what's going on. I would say yes. And the thing about this is there's really, it's not like it's an off-putting story. It's just that this is the point in the story where everything is at top volume. This Mm -hmm. is that point where Tom Cruise is running towards the camera. This is that point where, um, you know, what happens in other people's movies? I don't know where Samuel L. Jackson is yelling MF and shooting at everything. This is the point in the movie where, uh, you know, Jacob is finally done trying to steal Bella away from, uh, her vampire boyfriend, Richard. It's, it's, you know, we are at that third act where we're about to kind of slide into the ending and it really does feel like. Just for me, when I pick this up, I'm like, man, I want to enjoy this more than I do because there's a lot going on here. And it feels like this is all stuff that should have real heft and real depth to it. And I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, Sela's daughter is here and she's losing her powers and Merlin is evil. And I'm like, okay, but I don't necessarily read that book either. (laughs) So, yeah, no, I I mean, there's a lot of books out there. We occasionally will drop into a Grimm's fairy tale universe uh, probably once a year or so. To see what's going on. And I got to say, they're keeping it going, Um, you know, with all the ups and downs that the company has had and they get flack every once in a while uh, for their covers and other things that uh, that go on. But their inside stories are really very solid and they do bring in some top creators to um, to bring these stories to life. And I got to say, I I agree with you, Matthew, that, yes, having read the previous three issues would probably make this issue a lot more sense. But this is some pretty good action and it's plotted yeah. well and the art is just fine. Um, it makes yeah. a lot of sense and it brings in the drama it brings in the action and it lets you in on the lives of these characters, even though there's a giant gunfight going on in the middle of Philadelphia with a giant dragon. I, right. you know, there is literally nothing wrong with this book. Right. If you're someone who is into the grim fairy tale universe, um, 
I would say the biggest problem with this book is you need to be very familiar with what's going on in this series. Yeah. And that's not necessarily anything that's right. That's not a knock on the book. That's something where every issue is somebody's first issue. And if you're saying to me, is this successful as a first issue of Musketeers making you want more? Yes, it is. Because I really do read this and go, man, I wish I knew what was going on. But then there's also a point where I'm also kind of like, but what if I, if I go and the first three issues are, you know, something that I don't like, I don't know. It, it's difficult. And it really is that point where sometimes, you know, I've said this before, I like to come into a comic book just cold. I feel like I should be able to review a book without necessarily having to walk and do my research beforehand. Now, obviously, if I'm going to review it for the site or for dueling review, I'll look up stuff once I've read it or during the reading, or mm-hmm. while I'm going through it. But as just a walking-in-the-door experience, this one is a little bit puzzling. But that's not necessarily bad. It's not off-putting, certainly. And I think that that's kind of something you have to look at, is am I coming to this material from a point where, even if I knew what was going on, am I the target audience? Maybe not. But it's a pretty solid comic. It's got some interesting stuff and some big explosions. And there's one really great moment where you see uh, Athos throw one of the other musketeers directly mm-hmm. into the camera. And it's, it's just this really nice, dramatic shot. And her hat looks ridiculous. Yeah. I, I don't know. I have a question. Mm-hmm. So sometimes books work best when they're done in ones. Uh, for a while... Uh, Paul Dini was doing that with which Batman title was he doing that with? Uh, I think it was the main Batman title where he was basically like every issue is a done in one issue. And that Mm -hmm. went for about a year until they were like, nope, we're going to bring in a new creative team and we're going to bring it back to the ongoing series. Uh, As I said earlier in this uh, show, I said that uh, Zenoscope used to have these basically done in one stories that were the fairy tale stories with this uh, narrator that you really didn't need to know a whole lot about her backstory until they decided to give you a bunch of stuff about her backstory. And I thought those stories were really interesting and engaging. Right. At some point, probably about 1964, 1965, maybe a little bit sooner than that, especially with the advent of Marvel and building onto their universe. They realize, oh, we can sell more comics if we're making the reader come back next month to find out what happens next. Well, you can also do more complex storytelling. You can do things that you wouldn't necessarily be able to do if you maintained 22 pages done in one, no continuing threads, no two-parters, you know. Mm -hmm. It's a stylistic decision. It's one that I definitely support. I'm fine with done in ones. I also feel like... Having those big giant crossover madness stories or having, you know, like a 25 part monster society of evil back in the old days of Shazam. Right. That's I think that's a good thing. I don't necessarily think that every story should be a 25 parter, but I also don't think that every story should be a done in one. Do you think there should be more done in ones or what would you if you could pick a ratio of Mm -hmm. done in ones to ongoing series? Mm hmm. And maybe, yeah, what, what would you go for? And, and sometimes, you know, even with a done in one, you can have it. And this is, I know you say a 25 part Shazam story, 
Right. Uh, with the Monster Society. It was a 25-part Shazam story. It, kind of. There were a couple of issues in that where it's like uh, something else is kind of going on and the Monster Society is just kind of doing something in the background right. kind of stuff. Kind of like uh, over on the Legion Clubhouse podcast where uh, we have the Time Trapper. And for 15 issues, he keeps popping in and out with this <laughs> uh, Iron Curtain of Time shtick that goes on for two panels. Uh, that kind of thing. And I, so what would you rather have more of? Would you rather have more done-in-ones in this industry or would you rather have more ongoing series where you do need to follow along for six or 12 issues in order to figure out what the overall story is? I would rather have more continuing stories, but there's also the thought process, and I think it's a good one, that even part four of five or part 22 of 25 needs to be something that can be enjoyed just as a a book unto itself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So even if you're reading Captain Marvel Adventures number 22 and you're figuring out, okay, well, this is all tied into that Mr. Mind stuff, you you want that story to be a satisfying bit of itself. You want it to be a comic book that you go through and you read and you're like, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Or even if it's something, you know, you can come into something in media res and end on a cliffhanger and have a big, you know, schmageggy in between and have it still feel like a solid bit of a piece, an individual discrete piece of story. So I think you have to have that element of a done-in-one where I feel like each book could definitely benefit from having that element of a done-in-one, even if you're doing part 77 of whatever, or if you're doing, mm -hmm. you know, what Stan Lee did in the old days where all the stories were ongoing and there was something going on and there was backstory kind of bubbling in the background and all of a sudden something would explode and then Craven the Hunter would show up. Even that, you want each comic to be something satisfying in and of itself. Yeah, I, I think I would. So I've been talking about this trend for a while now that I've noticed that companies like boom studios and now I'm seeing IDW publishing doing this mm -hmm. where they're releasing a lot more OGNs, original graphic novels. Mm -hmm. And these might be like 48 page uh, books or they might be, you know, uh, you know, 96 pages or whatever, you know, whatever their count is. Right. But it seems like this is a way to say, Hey, here's a great way to get kids into comics and get, you know, new re or I shouldn't say kids, but new readers into this, this book. Right. And it's a story that's done and you're you're out of there. And maybe if you're interested, you'll go and find more books from this publisher or maybe not. Right. Um, it seems like some books get the idea that um, like Adventure Time or if you look at the Simpsons comics where, you know, it's it's basically that group of stories that are in there mm -hmm. or a mad magazine and you go and you enjoy it. And if you miss an issue or two, it's no big deal. But I think that, the, the, for some reason, it seems like there's a direct correlation between the size of the comic book publisher right. and the number of ongoing series that they have. Well, I think it part of it is a reflection of being a larger publisher. I mean, if you have two comic books that come out every single month, you'll occasionally do something and go, OK, well, here's our crossover and that's kind of cool. But if you're trying to sell 50 comic books a month. And say one of them is selling much better than the others, you can have that character crossover. You can have your Spider-Man appear in that weird Fantastic Four and give it a bump. Sales, yeah. Right. And, you know, whatever else you can say about the Musketeers, it doesn't have Charlie Sheen. So <laughs> that, I think, 
is the the saving grace of it all, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just think that, uh, especially with the price point of comics, mm-hmm. and with so many people arguing and complaining about things in the comic book industry. Right. It seems like let's get in, let's get out seems to be a great way to satisfy everyone. Well, it's definitely a strategy, but I mean, it, it doesn't have to be, and I don't think it can be the only viable strategy. I feel like, no, 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 I'm not saying that. Right. But for a healthy comic book industry, I think you have to have a balance. And I think for, you know, an ongoing series, you want to have a balance of here's a story that stands on its own. Here's this one mm-hmm. story where Spider-Man fights the juggernaut. And when it's over, the juggernaut is gone and Spider-Man yeah. moves on with his life. Oh, and then here's and so, a story where Captain Marvel fights a bug with a radio around his neck for two and a half years. It's interesting that you mentioned Spider-Man because if you have multiple Spider-Man stories or multiple Batman stories, you right. may have one or two of those books, Batman and Detective Comics, that have your ongoing adventures and your ongoing and your greater story arcs, but maybe you have something else, like a Legends of the Dark Knight, for example, <laughs> which isn't you know being published anymore. But just to everybody throw in, drink, just to throw in a you know a third Batman title, that yeah. could be just your done in one. Spider Man could be the same same way. Um, you know, here's your Amazing Spider Man, and then Spectacular Spider Man is just a bunch of one and done stories, and then you've got the a diehard group of people that just want to read these ongoing adventures. And then you've got another group that maybe just want to pick it up occasionally. I don't know. Right. They will. They want to read about diehard in, in the case of the Xenoscopes uh, musketeers. I like mm-hmm. that. They're taking this ongoing story that's going on in grim fairy tales. Yes. And then they're saying, Oh, here are some events that are here. We're going to spin off this mini series that will expand upon this story and these events that, and I don't know how the fifth issue is going to end, but I'm going to bet that it all comes back around and ties things up neatly where uh, Sky and her sidekick um, can then continue on with their adventures in Grim Fairy Tales. And the Musketeers can say, yes, we will have our own ongoing adventures as a super team. And if Xenoscope never publishes another Musketeer story, those characters now exist in a greater universe so that when the next big bad rears its head right. and the, uh, the arcane knight or whatever that, uh, that sky is has to then go in and fight with all of her friends. Musketeers can come back and people can go, Oh look, there are the musketeers again. So I Here really don't have a problem musketeer. with this. That's I was just asking the question on yeah. done in ones versus, you know, ongoings and the musketeer is certainly not an ongoing series. Right. Um, and, to some degree, asking whether I want more done-in-ones or more individual books is kind of like asking whether I want more cheeseburgers or more pizza to eat for the rest of my life. Depending on my mood, obviously, I'm going to want both. Some days, I'm literally going to try and get both, but it's going to be tough, and sometimes it's not going to be there. But worst-case scenario, I had a pizza and or an ongoing story, mm-hmm. and that's good. Mm-hmm. Well, and that goes into a whole other discussion of, you know— uh you've got 50 years of a certain character right. doing his character or her character things. Mm-hmm. It's okay. If someone else comes in and, and is in that suit for a while, you still have your 50 years of that character doing things. Oh, be careful. You're going to anger people. And then the fans are going to come down and rain. Oh, the, hell upon the us. internet has the internet ever been a nice place. I don't think it has. No, but that's, I mean, that's not the point. No, the I'm internet, saying, you can have, you know, we just had this discussion this week about Thundercats. 
Yep. It didn't ruin Thundercats. You still have your original 1980s Thundercats that you can go and watch anytime that you want. And then you'll realize they aren't any good. <laughs> what they really did was ruin it because your memory was that they were good, and it turns out they, they are not. Yeah. So I'm just saying. Uh, I'm with you. Coming out next week. Next week from Boom Studios, Abbott number five of five, the Dodo <laughs> original when graphic novel. When does Costello come out? Never. Uh, the Dodo original graphic novel, there's that uh, OGNs that I was talking about. That's a nine ninety nine book. Uh, Jim Henson's Labyrinth Coronation number four of 12. Mech Cadet U gets its first volume uh, trade collected for fourteen ninety nine. I think that's the ongoing, not the miniseries. Right. Uh, Dark Horse Comics has Blackwood number one of four, a miniseries there. I talked about that a couple of weeks ago on the Major Spoilers podcast. Um, yeah, Black is my favorite of the MTV yes. Tentacle Kitty, the coloring book. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's called Tentacle Kitty. Believe me, I had to stop and reread that just to make sure that it said Tentacle Kitty. Also, Dark Horse Comics will be collecting the Will Eisner Contract with God Curator's Collection Edition. Ooh. If you go with the hardcover version of this, it's $195. Uh -huh. If you want to go with the Curator's Collected Hardcover Limited Edition, it's $300. Boy, that's a tough call. Uh, well... There's probably a regular trade paperback you could pick up, too. Well, yeah, but why would you want to do that if these fancy schmancy ones? Yeah, fancy schmancy. Indeed. DC Comics has the Aquaman Jabberjaw special number one. Bane Conquest number 11. That's the uh, next to last issue there. Doomsday Clock number five. Oh, man. Where's that series been? Uh, It's been yeah. gone. Yeah. Flash Speed Buggy special number one. Uh, Man of Steel number one. Scooby-Doo Team-Up, that gets a trade paperback, volume five on that. Super Sons and the Dino-Mutt special number one. Super oh. Sons and Dino-Mutt, doo-dar, doo Over at Dynamite Entertainment, we have Jeepers Creepers number two. Kiss and the Army of Darkness number four, the penultimate issue there. And Sheena number nine. Oh, Pathfinder, Spiral of Bones number three. There you go. Nice. IDW Publishing has G.I. Joe, a real American hero, number 252. Gumballs graphic novel, $20 there. Optimus Prime, number 19. Sonic the Hedgehog, number 5. Star Trek Discovery, number 4. Sword of Ages, number 4. Sword of Ages. And Weird Love, number 24. I've had enough Weird Love. Image Comics mm -hmm. has Descender, number 30. Hack Slash Descender. Resurrection, number 7. Killer Be Killed, number 19. Last Siege, number 1. Saga, number 52. And VS, number 4. Versus... Well, hmm, maybe. Versus. Um, Marvel Comics. You gonna, you gonna eat some more potato chips there, dude, or what? No, somebody gave me a bag and I'm trying to get it out of the way. Is my mute not on? Uh, obviously not. Well, I pushed the mute button. Marvel Comics has Amazing Spider-Man number 800, Daredevil number 603, Infinity Countdown, Captain Marvel number one, Lockjaw number four of four. I don't think that's the same... That's that's Jabberjaw that uh, Aquaman will be fighting there. Yes, Jabberjaw is the uh, shark. And Lockjaw is what you get when you step on a piece of rusty Up metal. on a nail, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ms. Marvel, number 30. Spider-Gwen, right. number 32. X-Men Blue, number 28. X-Men Red Annual, number one. And Matthew, you're going to yes. be sad after next week. Why is that? You are. Deadpool, number five, Aww. arrives in stores. 
No more Deadpool. In all the rest category, we have Dark Souls the Cover Collection. That's a hardcover of $30 there. The Formidables, number two. Harbinger Wars, number two. Uh, sorry. Harbinger Wars 2, number one. Hillbilly, number 10. Jughead the Hunger, number six. Pinky and Pepper Forever. That's a graphic novel for $12. Quantum and Whatever Woody. happened to the brain? I don't know. Quantum and Woody, uh, number six. Uh, Rick and Morty, number 38. Robin Hood, The Curse. That's a Xenoscope book. Mm. Stabity Bunny, number five. Subspecies, <laughs> number three. Tale of Rogues, number five. A lot of penultimate issues coming out next week. I wonder if they time those so that right as soon as, you know, summer is here, a lot of their miniseries are done and then they can focus on their big summer push of comics. Oh, I imagine it's intentional, yeah. Yeah, Vampironica number two arrives next week. Listeners, what will we review next week? It's up to you. Head over to patreon.com slash major spoilers and uh, share your thoughts on what book we will review next week and providing that it hasn't already been claimed by another reviewer, we'll review it on an upcoming episode of Dueling Review. Next week's episode, in fact. (laughs) What else can you find at patreon.com slash major spoilers? Well, you can find original shows like our flashback podcast. You can find original articles, tips, uh, character sheets for our, our games, behind the scenes things that are going on. Basically, it's a whole other site just for the cool kids. And I know that yeah. you want to be one of the cool kids. So what are you waiting for? Head over to patreon.com slash major spoilers. And even if you don't sign up today, just check out and see what we have. But I bet you're going to be wanting to be one of the cool kids and get that Major Spoilers membership card. Every time you become a, uh, everybody who becomes a patron at Majorspoilers.com, or I'm sorry, at Patreon.com slash Majorspoilers, your contributions allows us to keep this show going. It pays for our growing costs. It gives us the motivation to produce more content for you. Oh, so much over there. Patreon.com slash Majorspoilers. Thank you, everyone who is a current patron. And thank you so much for checking out Dueling Review this week. We will talk with you next time. When you will hear Matthew say, Rat-a-tat-tat, rat-a-tat-tat-tat. This podcast is copyright 2018 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.